0: doing and listen closely it's time for the jeff cameron show in five four three two one
1: This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday. What a great weekend. Hope you're well. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeff. That's Tom, Director Matthew in the house as well. If you want to check us out on Twitter, it is at Cameron Show. And away we go. Florida State remains undefeated. That was a tremendous atmosphere on Saturday night. Reminiscent of some of the old school atmospheres at Doe Campbell Stadium against ranked teams with a lot on the line. And Florida State's faithful were great. And then in addition, uh Florida State when they needed to be in the second half, uh turned out to be capable and 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 really, really good and efficient uh late in the game, wearing Duke down. I, I think again, we we talk about it a lot. And it is just so obvious. But then when you see it play out, you know, things happen for a reason, as we say. It's just a different offense altogether if Jordan Travis is going to run. If, if he's going to run, it changes everything about who they are. Because they're kind of pedestrian otherwise. And then when he runs, they're electrifying. It's, it's got to be a, a maddening thing to be a defensive coordinator to think, okay, I can shut this down. My defensive line can outplay their offensive line. We'll be solid in our run fits. I think I can cover him a little bit, keep it in front of me most of the game. We'll be okay. We won't give up the big play, you know? And then Jordan Travis starts running, and you're like, eh, we're, that's it, we're dead. That's it, we're dead. If they're going to start doing this, we're dead. We should just take it on down the road. And it was essentially over. The 94-yard drive was thanks for playing. It was real. Your game. You're well-coached. You hit hard. You're tough. You just don't have enough. Thanks for playing. That 94-yard drive, and in fact, it's kind of interesting, you know, we all look at different metrics to help us kind of deduce or discern beyond with our eyes what the game was or was not. And think about this for a second, everybody. There's six minutes and 18 seconds left in the third quarter. The score is 20-17 to 17 Duke. It's first and 10 for Duke at the FSU 11-yard line, if I recall correctly. And I went back after the game and looked at uh, game on paper just to see, I was thinking to myself, I wonder what the predictive winning percentage would be if I'm a team with the ball on my opponent's 11-yard line with the lead, 20-17, to at that moment. Because I've got to believe that I've got a better than 50-50 chance, certainly, to win the game. I think it's probably, in my head, I was thinking it was like 65%. Turns out it's 59% at that moment. And and I went and looked at the precise moment I was thinking of because I jotted the note in my mind. I was like, okay, this this feels like a pretty critical moment in the game. Can they get a stop? And they end up getting a the stop there. And it turned out that it was 59% predicted for Duke to win the game at that point. And I imagine most Florida State fans thought that was going to be the case, too, in their head, thinking, well, this is starting to get dicey. This is starting to get dicey. We're entering into that territory where this could be tough to come back from if they score a touchdown here. Not that they couldn't have, but you know, you're starting to wonder, like, eh, are they going to be able to? At the very least, it's going to turn into a game that comes down to the waning minutes, is what you're starting to think. And, and one of the reasons up to that point you would have been thinking about that is at that point in the game, Duke was still averaging over six yards a carry. Hell, they finished the game at, what, 5.6 yards per carry? Uh, the, 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 the Moore kid had 6.8 yards per carry. I mean, he was, he was something. He, he was really good. It was frustrating to watch. Uh, and so it ended up being right the, the moment after that first down, it got all the way up to 69%, and then it flipped in Florida State. Once they got the stop, two first downs later, Florida State's predicted to win the game despite still trailing. Now, you can see why that is. As their field position improves, and they get a first down from off their four-yard line, they are now going to be able to, at the very least, flip field position, and they get two or three more first downs. And as we know, they go on to go and score. And at that point, Duke's defense is dead. They're exhausted, and they have got to feel like they are completely now doomed because they don't have anybody that can throw the ball. Riley Leonard has to come out of the game. And this kid can't throw the ball in this situation. It was evident he was overwhelmed. And the game was, for all intents and purposes, over. It's fun to 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 see this play out in that way because it's not the first time. It's not the second time. It's the third time that Florida State has absolutely worn people down, worn people out. It is a game of attrition, a war of attrition, as they like to say, with football, and these are – These are aspects of the game that when it happens to you are most unfortunate. Nobody likes injuries, but they happen. And Florida State has been able to withstand a number of people being out for long periods of time. I'll grant you not their starting quarterback in this situation, but rotating this line and doing what they do defensively and offensively and having lots of guys play and Limiting the number of reps that guys endure through the course of games in which Florida State wins handily is certainly, I think, going to be advantageous as we get down this home stretch and have to play games where you may not be winning the line of scrimmage the way you'd like. Miami will shut us down in the run game as well. They will absolutely do that unless we run Jordan Travis. And then we'll get to the we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I don't think Wake has much of a chance to slow us down. You may not have to run Jordan there. Pitt could. We'll see. Maybe they're playing pretty good against the run so we'll see when we go up there but you just know you have that in your back pocket that if you can't run it traditionally and we are up and down when it comes to running it traditionally you are going to have to incorporate Jordan's legs look like he was having a hell of a lot of fun once he unleashed it
2: yeah that's the thing I was about to say was his expression changed yeah. you've seen a lot of moments this season where he's screaming at the sidelines there's ha- it's happening more like in the post game he talked about how He and Mike Norvell spoke the previous Sunday, two Sundays ago. About going to have fun? About playing and having fun. Okay. Well, I don't know that the lesson was applied in the first half of this game or even the beginning of the second half of this game because Jordan is still demonstratively moving his arms, waving his arms, yelling at the sidelines, throwing his arms up in the sky when we're not running a a successful whatever concept it is, if it's a stuff or a gain of one or two. Mm -hmm. He's pissed off, and it's getting worse and worse. And that's a problem. You can't have anybody showing anybody up on the field. I mean, Jordan said after the game that he loves Johnny and and all that Johnny did before he got hurt, and he said, I I love him because he plays the game tough. He doesn't show anybody up. I thought that was an interesting thing to circle. Yeah. Okay, man. So you're you're keeping score on if somebody's going to show up a quarterback. (laughs) Well, don't do that yourself when you're the leader of the offense when things don't go right. And all of that is to say that that was one part of the game but then when Jordan started running, He's he started smiling. Again. He was smiling left and right. You could see there was there was that oh yeah. I this is this is what I can do. This is what I'm about. Look in his eyes. And kudos to the broadcast crew for getting a lot of camera shots of it because you could see it. The switch had flipped. He was having fun. One of my working theories was maybe he didn't want to run. Well, judging by how how he reacted to his legs being used on Saturday
1: night, I think he wants to. I think he enjoys it. I can't decide on that one. There's a part of me that says that that is absolutely true. I know this. There's another part of me that says it's not because I don't think you would just not utilize uh, a weapon of that magnitude if you, uh, if you had it. I mean, why would you not? We did all last year. He ran the hell out of the ball. I mean, it was plenty of times where he had to run, and it was great.
2: Well, the previous two seasons, he averaged between 13 and 14 carries a game. And this year, I think uh, as of a couple weeks ago, it was six. Yeah. You know?
1: I think there are a lot of factors in play there, but that's we won't get bogged down with that right now. I think there's a lot of factors but there. he enjoys it. He enjoyed it on Saturday. Well, he did. And he said, I had a lot of fun today. Winning is fun at the end of the day. When you win, you have fun. I'm very thankful for my teammates. Coach Norvell and I had a meeting last Sunday about having fun again Feels like sometimes I might be pressing. I feel like I have pressure and I'm trying to do too much. So I'm just trying to get back to being myself and enjoy the game of football and enjoy it with my teammates. Well, good, good. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, and
2: that's the thing where Duke may have provided us the opportunity to learn a little something about ourselves. Not just Jordan, but the lines of scrimmage and the challenges that Duke presented on both sides of the ball, which was good. And also the fact that you spot him 10 points, one because of a coach's decision, the other pick six which is also an interesting decision given how their defense is in third and 12 That you're going to be calling that play and putting yourself in that
1: I, I think Jordan made a mistake on that play but that's oh 100% yeah yeah, yeah. but
2: like we talked about this in the pregame show there are some defenses that'll turn their back right and just try and make a play there are others who are keyed in on the quarterback and third and long they're the boa constrictor they want you to wriggle because it's only going to hurt you more and break you down more interesting moments there but you know we leaned on them the adversity felt worse because we spotted them 10 points, you know, and so they've got that 20 burger on the board and it took forever for us to claim the lead with the 96 yard, 94 yard drive. And once we did that, it felt like once we got the lead, if we could ever get the lead, we were not going to give it back, but it took forever to get the lead in part because we gifted them some some scores.
1: Yeah, I'll give Duke credit, though. The long run is a, is not a gift. That's a touchdown run with nobody pursuing him from the backside, And just, I mean, that's schemed up really well. And, it is. And, and we take a terrible angle inside because Cypress does that all the time. And, uh, uh, and
2: DeLoach yeah. lost leverage. Yeah. He got held to hell, but he also was on the wrong side of the offensive lineman. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, we allowed for the fact that Duke could score between 10 and 17 points, yeah. give or take.
1: That's exactly what they were going to do with Riley Leonard. Oh, I think so. Yeah. And and I will say that uh, it, it would have got Harry, I think, had he stayed in the game. He makes good decisions at the line of scrimmage pre-snap. He's a smart quarterback. not about
2: his arms so much as it was right. the fear of his legs.
1: Right. And he makes good decisions, like where to go with the ball, yeah. protection checks, those kinds of things. He's a smart kid. He's been around. He's a good player. And he made some window throws that were really difficult on third down. One of them was called back, thankfully. But if he had to make passes, he could. This other kid wasn't going to make a pass. It wasn't going to happen. I mean, you know, and and not who, in that
2: spot. He would have had to settle into the game. I mean, right. you throw him right into the fire. And
1: who knows? Like, so why? I guess what I would argue is like Riley might make that pass that the kid screws oh, up he in might. the end zone. You sure, know? sure. And so the the point is, I'm not saying we would lose if he stays in the game. I think we're going to win because I think their defense has worn the hell out. But That would be
2: 17 points that their offense had earned. Right. Worst case scenario. Now yeah. that's where turnovers matter. You know, they yeah. do. Yeah, they do. And, and those points count just the same as the ones that their offense goes down the field. But I think. What Duke's offense ultimately did, even if it looked maybe a little bit different here or there, in terms of output, they they kind of did what we expected them to do, which just that. To- yeah. It took
1: a little while to get going. I think they're, um I think there's two aspects about their team that I really liked, and I like going into the game. I think they can really run it against almost anybody. I, I think they can. He had, he said, Elko said after the game they ran 15 different variations of runs, mm-hmm. and I mean they do a great job of scheming that up. And because they're senior laden and they're big and their offensive line's experienced, they're going to run on people and they're going to possess the damn ball. And it's so frustrating when you don't have the ball. And because they are good on defense. If you have an empty possession and you got to give it back to a team that's going to run it, you're going to come get the ball back with seven minutes to go in the quarter. You're frustrated. That's what they do. The smartest thing they do is understand who they are. And I, and that's that's a good job of coaching by Elko. It's like this is all we can be right now. We don't have explosive wideouts. We've got two running backs that I really like. We've got an offensive line that I really like. And we've got a quarterback that I know can execute what I'm trying to run. You should
2: throw that on coach speak this week. He put his receivers on Front Street in the post game.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they,
2: he said we couldn't get open, they couldn't. and that was all night. Like, but that okay. he's
1: one hundred percent correct. They couldn't. I mean, we could we could run singles if we wanted out there. It just man yeah. coverage all day if we wanted. I think the keys
2: for the defense were the stop before halftime. You know, in the red zone, it's it, I know they get a hold, but it was going to be third and goal from a long distance anyway. Even if we declined the penalty because yeah. we made two stops there, the first down play to stop the bleeding was huge. You knew if they scored a touchdown and then get the ball to start the second half, it, the building feels a little different than if they have to settle for three. So I thought they did a good job there. And then to make the stop, I get Belin's in there. It's the right yeah, call by Elko to go for it because it he knows with the backup, he's not going to be in that situation. Six point lead ain't going to get it done for him. Right. To yeah, go up two scores, you're not going to be back inside the 10-yard line without our help That's anyway. That's the game
1: right there. He knows it. He yeah. knows that if they can score, they have a chance to win the game. If they can't. He knows they're probably in trouble. He doesn't want to admit that. But he also knows, well, they got to go 94 yards. Let's see. And, and that's then,
2: the third down call, too, again, because yeah. he knows he's playing for two downs yeah. there. At no, third. he's
1: a good coach. He's a smart coach. And that was a great test for Florida State. And it's a test that Florida State ends up passing. And, you know, again, I I, I think you, if you're Florida State, one of, one of the frustrating aspects, though, is you, you face a team. I will say this. The game was not flawless. We all know that. One of the aspects of the game that bothers me is that the whole world knows Duke's coming in to bludgeon you and to run the football, and you are getting gashed at six and seven yards a carry for the entirety of a half. I mean, you have no answers for any of it. That is maddening.
2: It is. Um, it's what happens when you play good teams. Um, partly. Partly. But then the other part is the substitution patterns. I, You know, I don't know <laughs> if I could be mad about it anymore because I've done, I've gone through that process here. Yeah. But you take a look at... I'm m- on the
1: other side of the grieving, Jeff. Well, I think so. <laughs> because if
2: you look at, the, at yeah. the snap distribution... I know. And the interior is one animal. Because you've got a lot of talented dudes on the interior. So I'm not talking about that. Mm. But you look at the defensive end snap count usage. And Jared and Patrick Payton are on the field for roughly, in non-garbage time, 60% of the snaps. 60? That can't be 80? It can't be? Who says it can't be 80% of the snaps that those guys could be out on the field for? Agreed. Are they in terrible physical condition? <laughs> are they in terrible shape? I don't think so. And then towards the end of the first half, I had texted Ira in the press box. Said, is Tatum Bethune hurt? Because I see, as they're marching down for that field goal drive, yeah. I think it was 14 plays, 58 yards. But it felt like it was more yardage. Mm-hmm. But they're on the field forever, and they are running the ball. I see it's Kalen DeLoach and Omar Graham. Yeah, me too. It's not even Lundy. Correct. So those are the two guys you have out there. We put guys in situations where we know that we're, you know, we know that we're going to get a good return. That is a tie ball game. Yeah. Late first half. And Bethune comes in when they have goal to go, but he's not in there for the throws of the drive. Why? Why? I'm over the anger part of it.
1: This is just what they do, but I don't agree with it. I don't like it, as Bryce Cameron used to say. He did. I don't like it. No, it's interesting. I, I think we're a weird team. We're a weird, te- weird team that keeps on winning. We have a lot of attributes that are, uh, I think, to be envied. Uh, I, I think they're an incredibly resilient football team. I think that's self-evident to anybody who would look. I mean, at the season uh, so far, I mean, it, you go on a 31-7 to run to close out the LSU game. The seven you gave up in that game was garbage time with your third string in there. In essence, you went on a 31 to nothing run to close out the game. You finished the Clemson game on a 24 to seven run on the road. And you amassed a grand total of 20 something yards rushing. And you still finished the game on a 24 to seven run against that Clemson defense. So when you had to have it in the fourth quarter, terribly adverse conditions, playing one handed, you still found a way to do that. That is guts. That is heart. That is skill. That is a lot of stuff and then we would finish this game on a 21 to nothing run. So the the three biggest games where you really had to have it in
2: 177 at one point, too. So you could extrapolate that to Well,
1: oh, yeah, you can go all the way. But
2: yeah. A 31 point run that you go on there. So yeah. it's
1: it's it's they are to three. they are tough. They are very tough. They're mentally tough. I think they're physically tough to an extent, but they're they're more mentally tough than physically tough. That's the thing. I I really admire that. I just I just wonder and I don't know the answer to this, and we are not going to know the answer to this because they're not going to have to talk about injury. So if they want to, I will just say this, if they want to, that can be their offense all the time, the offense that features Jordan keeping. He, he was their leading rusher on 10 carries. Yeah. This is, this is That's what... That's with a
2: sack, too, so nine real carries. But Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: this is what becomes so difficult to deal with. His gift... His preternatural gift is his running. It's not his passing. His passing's okay. There are plenty of people who throw it better than Jordan Travis.
2: And you could see the engine start on that 94-yard drive because he got better at running as he was like, oh, oh, man, yeah, now yeah, yeah. He, you
1: could see the 0-60 to 60 kick in, all of it. But he he he's a good thrower of the football, and he is a great runner. That's a wonderful combination that makes you an elite quarterback. The combination of those two things make you an elite quarterback. When, But, but – I don't know why that that is not – now, I get that you have games against overmatched opponents, games where you say, well, really, do I need to run Jordan Travis 10 times? He has been injury-prone in his career. Oftentimes, when he gets hit, he seems to be hobbled. It's either clutching the shoulder or limping around or whatever it is. So, he is prone to injury, and so you might say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that because I need him to be here for the biggest moments of the season, and that is the correct assessment. But it seems like we are all of one or the other. There is no in-between with the usage of his legs. And that drives me batty. We went an entire half, just decided we don't need it. Well, we do. We're not able to run the ball. That became evident within the first two drives. You're not going to run the ball turning the hand the ball. Off.
2: Well, I think the issue was early on you had some success running things that Duke doesn't usually give up. You had you hit a couple of them early. Tofili for one to the left. Toafili uh, had Benson the one. Benson to the right. That was one of our first runs that we call with Benson was successful to the right. But it didn't feel, yeah, yeah. beyond that, there was a, a rhythm issue. Yeah. But then there's also the drive where if you're going to rush to the line of scrimmage on fourth and inches, you follow the center forward for a foot and you move the chains. While you're trying to move around at the snap toward, between the, the left guard and the left tackle, you bump into Bless because he has no idea what's going on. Like, yeah, that was, uh... If you're going to rush, then keep it simple. Otherwise, just let Duke get lined up. Who cares? It's fourth and a foot, and you'll do what you need to do. But that was a drive that we shot ourselves in the foot. The other fourth and one is madness. That's just craziness.
1: Yeah, it is. And to come back out and do it, it seemed really odd. And that's a case where you have to know the defense you're facing and the percentage chances you're going to be able to move them. And it's
2: Well, it's the fourth down play. I thought it was a run only, but it's essentially the fourth down play they ran against Clemson. Right. Where he does have a chance to keep loop out and Jaheim's there as either a throw, it's a triple option essentially, and Jordan's furious. It might be he might be mad himself for the give. I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, there. I think
1: he, I think he's mad at himself there. That hasn't been his forte, uh, knowing when and when not. I I will say this. Uh, we we were right, I guess, that Jaheim Bell would be a big focus. I yeah. think he would have been an even greater focus if he had tweaked his ankle in the first series of the game. Mm-hmm. You could see he obviously did it. He's but there paused. were a couple
2: of plays from Morlock. It was a tight end. game. It was game. a tight
1: end game, yeah. and that's partly because Duke wanted to take away the explosiveness down the field of your elite receivers and they were smart to do so. That's what I would do, get ready to see that from everybody we face. That's the way you have to play Florida State. You've got to protect against the big play. Florida State's biggest attribute or greatest attribute is that they can kill you with explosive plays. They've been doing it all year long, both in the pass and run game. They will create a big play every Saturday, usually more than one. And so teams are going to have to try to take that away and force you to put together 14 play drives. Now the good news is I think Florida State, with the amount of weapons and balance and the mobility of their quarterback, can put together 14 play drives. They can do those things because they have a lot of options. And you can take what a defense is giving you and be patient in that situation. Eventually, you're going to force them out of it. And I do think also the frustration if you're playing Florida State when he starts to run, not only is it you're in real trouble there, but now I've got to commit numbers, and so this gets I'm guaranteed by math that I'm going to be in a one-on-one situation against one of your best receivers, yeah. and I can't cover him. I mean, I, there aren't too many teams that are going to be able to do that.
2: Well, there was also, also the throw on third and five when we're up 24-20 to 20, over the middle to Keon. That throw, I have never seen Jordan make, ever.
1: Is that the one that probably shouldn't make? Maybe. Uh, I mean, it's, it it's one the of bi-pad.
2: those <laughs> where you go, yeah, but, yeah. And, but they do get a, a pass interference in that mm-hmm. situation. So either way, the chains were going to move. But live on the play-by-play camera, you, you can't get an appreciation right. for yeah, yeah. how tight of a window he completed that ball. Once they show the behind-the-quarterback angle from that spider cam, the wire cam, there's nobody there. Like, you can yeah. barely see Keon behind the defenders. Yeah, it wasn't but, a great decision. But the defenders <laughs> is facing, you know, the yeah. opposite end zone. Yeah. He's facing the Champions Club. So you can throw it by his ear in that situation. Like, for Jameis, you'd say, well, that's what he does. Yeah, yeah. For Jordan, it's, whoa, okay, I'd never quite
1: seen that before, but that's one hell of a throw, young man, because that was a third down. We're set up now. We're exactly where we need to be. Exhale, everybody. 7-0. and Wake's not good. Pitt's not real good either. That'll be a better game, I think. You're going to have to show up. And we just got tested. That's a good lesson before the
2: Miami Challenge in a few weeks.
1: It's really good because, again, anybody that's nursing anything here – you're going to have opportunities to get some other guys in the game, and I don't think you have to run Jordan to beat Wake Forest. Although I want to beat Wake Forest seventy to nothing, but that's just me being greedy. They'll probably call it like a normal human being. I would try to run it up all four quarters. Jordan be out there running damn double reverses and stuff. I mean, Mike no- might. He's going for it on fourth and a full <laughs> yard from his own thirty-five yard line, man. Like he might. But I, I will tell you that uh, you're in a great position. And Miami now has your attention. I was trying to tell people this, but they're good young players, and it stinks that they're getting better, uh, It meaning they're good young players. Now, they may have a quarterback problem on their hands with the injury to Van Dyke, and that freshman looked awful, and they still beat Clemson. But their offensive and defensive lines are a problem. And so Jordan's going to have to run him he's going to have to run a lot in yeah, that game.
2: A huge part of that game. Clemson again in the red zone is it's the worst team in America. It's hilarious. Well,
1: and we'll talk about what's going on there. They've got a problem with culture. Well, go figure.
2: But it's 37 and a half minutes of possession before overtime. That's a huge factor in that as well. About Clemson looking tired of Miami cuz Miami running in the second half was much different than the first half oh, and sure. it has to
1: do with the defenses on the field forever. It's, in a, uh, it's a it's it's a weird game, and now Clemson's situation is getting uglier by the minute, which is a beautiful thing to see. Uh, and watching the head coach have to explain how it is, his quarterback just defied the play call. It's a wonderful situation and, to watch play out. And
2: Xavier Thomas was not available because he violated team rules. Oh, yeah. We, and he, he said, could have used him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had some fun with that, too. So let's get the clearer picture set up here. We'll do it in a moment. Jeff Cameron, showed 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash With all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hey seminoles we all know how important it is to score in the red zone but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. Whether making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy, the Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Champ TV. Hey, by the way, Tom, I forgot to tell you. We've got a Jeff Cameron Show PR firm effort coming up here soon. We got to do. So I just want you to have your placards ready and to be focused because it involves somebody we like. Oh, no. Yeah. That's yeah, going to be a tough one.
2: What did Terry Collins do?
1: No, no, not Terry Collins. It's uh, I'm afraid it's from my man, Sam Pittman. Woohoo pig ooh, ooh, is right. No. We got some issues so we're going to we're going to try to help him out in the show today. We'll get no, to that. No big suey. I know, that's tough. Uh did hit the 3 team uh, uh teaser pleaser money oh, that, I, yeah, that okay. I sent you NFL. Yeah. That was a nice payout. Nice. Um I took the Falcons of course. I think I swept my mother this weekend too.
2: You did. You're down to 1.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um Baker Mayfield is returning to being Baker Mayfield which is what we thought and then um, well there's still
2: a chance to go 3 and 14 let's do that's it that's
1: the point i was so happy proud of the falcons there they needed a big drive late and they got that it. it was
2: good that game was
1: cheeks it was, it was
2: exactly what you thought it would be you know
1: what Re- that game reminded me it was so bad it reminded me of how bad ohio state and penn state are watching those two sorry ass teams play each other yeah. that's get off my screen this is garbage Garbage. I'm not worried sure, about either one of those two you, you teams. You can
2: widen your gap in the polls over us, Ohio State. Yeah, but, I will, absolutely. but I will
1: tell you this. It, that game win is also exactly as we thought it would. Hence, we took the under 45 and Correct. a half. But also, I'm done with you, James Franklin. I'm done with you. I'm off of for life. I said it before. He never wins that game. Scared. He also doesn't beat Michigan. They never score in games that matter. Get the hell off my screen. You don't, you're not any good. Scared. Always totally scared staring off in the space I mean, get, they get...
2: come out and they're successful running the football the limited times they do it on the first two drives but sure let that kid throw the ball 30 you're nuts
1: well they there's lots of stuff they didn't do well they uh, it's this it's their maddening um i was happy my alabama pick came through come back and dominate the second half that's good see you tennessee get out of here alabama covers the nine easily Um, An
2: Alabama-LSU game is very important for a lot of
1: teams. Yeah, it's starting to get very, very interesting, isn't it? As we try to clean things up in the playoff picture, uh, they're not out of it yet. And again, with Georgia being without Brock, this could be a fun weekend even against Mm -hmm. Florida. So let's see what goes on here. You just got to keep winning. Everybody's panicked. Everybody's so scared. What's going to happen with Florida State? Look, man, you're favored in the remainder of the games that you play. And everybody else is one by one beginning to remove themselves from consideration. Yeah. Thanks, Mac Brown. Welcome to the party, buddy. There you go. You haven't changed one bit, have you, you old dog? You found a way against that Virginia team that nobody loses to. Holy moly, Mac. Um, Mac. And, Mac. And they fumble through the end zone with oh, the winning they score. Could, they would have won by two scores, three You had three nine scores.
2: lives. You had nine lives in that game, and you spent them all. You died Mac. enough
1: time. Mac. Mac. Sir, that quarterback is going to be the second quarterback taken in the draft. Could be the first, depends on who, get, who has the pick. Come on, man, what are you doing?
2: Ah, ah,
1: ah. Here's, the, here's the problem. In most years, when we have this conversation centering around North Carolina, I would agree that the fraudulent goats have to make an appearance. I don't think they are. I, he's the problem. What are you doing, my man? They got players everywhere on that team. That's nuts that that happened. He is the ultimate fraudulent goat. Well, yeah.
2: He's proven it. It's like when you end a a pay-per-view of WWF back in the day. And still heavyweight champion of the fraudulent division. There he is. Stands alone. Virginia doubled their win total on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and their only other win was against William and Mary.
2: And you combine that with some of the things you saw in Oklahoma, Norman. They're hosting UCF, and you put that performance out there. And what Washington does, hosting Arizona
1: State, we should not
2: be threatened by either of those two conferences at this point. Ridiculous. Well, I
1: don't think we're – listen, I, the, the game against Washington, let's say if we play it, it'll be a fun game. I think they're a good team. I watched that game. I actually stayed and watched that game. I'm just saying for relative position. When we talk about where we're at. Actually, Texas should have lost to Houston yep. uh, down there late. Well, they had an injury too at quarterback, so we'll see. But I, it's it's a fascinating run, but it doesn't really matter so, far, so much as if you just have to win. You just have to remember to win. Go win. it. None of it. None of it. Don't let anybody bother you. And it's easy to, the first person that says, ah, oh, you know, of the undefeateds, I like these four more than Florida State. Then our fan base is going to have a conniption. Stop. Don't worry about it. Who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter. Ohio State plays Michigan. Okay, so somebody's getting eliminated there. We already know that. We control everything about our spot in the playoff. If you just win, you're going. Nobody's booting Florida State out of this thing if they're undefeated.
2: And now the race for Charlotte for the next team to play it us. Gets, It's so it's crazy. convoluted. It's a mess. So you got Duke and Louisville, a 3.30 kickoff this weekend. That's an elimination game. You got North Carolina plays both Duke and Clemson. They could be out of it. Oddly enough, Virginia Tech sits in a
1: strangely well. In they're its not spot. going. They're not going to the ACC championship game.
2: They only have the one loss, and they're, they're not. going. To- <laughs> they play Louisville. That's their biggest challenge for the remainder of their ACC schedule. Well, and they're going to lose to
1: Louisville, so don't worry about you that. You sure about? I, that? Am sure about that. Right. I am sure about that. I am sure about that. Okay. They're not going to. Hokey, hokey, hokey. Do uh, <laughs> you know how hard I'll laugh if we play Virginia Tech in the ACC Championship game? It's possible. Oh, sweet Jesus. That game was 22 to nothing inside of like 30 seconds of kickoff. We'll beat the people in Charlotte. be like, no, no. Duke beats Louisville. They're, they're crestfallen
2: next week. They play Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech wins. Then Duke loses to North Carolina, who in turn drops
1: another one to Clemson. There stands Virginia Tech with one conference loss. Speaking of which, Clemson's mathematically eliminated with their loss. And this is where it gets interesting because let's watch this thing crumble. The problem with Clemson is they have a lot of good young players. And I do this thing all the time where we talk about the race to disaster or success. Miami's in a unique position. That was a huge, huge win. And I was worried he was going to get it, and he did. And now, damn it. The monkey's off his back a little bit. That's a big home win for them, and it was a gutsy win for them with a backup quarterback. So now they've rallied the troops, and they're already succeeding in recruiting. So this is going to take another big step. This is going to be a problem for us. And then I think, honestly, and I said this earlier in the year when I watched them, they're not only a lot better than they were a year ago, they're a problem with the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line is very good. They have a good run game, and their defensive line is very, very good. Damn it! Because if this could have crumbled, if they could have kept losing, had they lost that game, and that's three straight. Now all of a sudden, you get do Wells angry, people taking pot shots, folks wanting to leave the program and transfer. This ain't it. All that stuff, right? You start winning and getting some momentum, and now you got a bit of a problem on your hand. It'll be fascinating to watch our two rivals the rest of the way to see what Florida does and to see what for, uh, to see what Miami does. We talked with Ingram Smith. Speaking of which, uh, the the battle's end because this is an ongoing thing. We. My uh, prediction did come through over the weekend. Uh, that was nice. Yes. To, that was nice. We can get into that later. But I talked to Ingram yesterday. Recorded it in the morning. We're gonna run that next. Get into a little bit of what the battles in doing, and um, and obviously that's a huge start to the season for Florida State. To their end at seven and zero. Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio or Chat TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. All right, so as I said just before the break, I had a chance to sit down with the CEO of the Battles Inn, Ingram Smith, talk about the big win for Florida State, talk about uh, that space, as we like to say, in terms of what's happening, what's changing with collectives, the rules and NIL, all that stuff. We talked yesterday morning. We're going to run it right now, and I'll come back afterwards, and obviously uh, we'll react to some of that and get into Hour 2. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Here's Ingram Smith. Ingram, you and I have been going into that stadium for a long time. Saturday night was electric, 7-0, and this football team now. And there are good players everywhere, and I know you're modest and you don't like to talk about the role necessarily or at least not bang the drum over and over again about the role that the Battle's in plays, but I think everybody knows it's obvious when you look out there and you see the guys that make the difference in these games. com, everybody. Um, what's it mean for you guys right now, 7-0? I, I, I want to get straight to it, and I'm just going to say I think we're about to see a real battle in the state again. Unfortunately, Miami knocked off Clemson. They may have some footing here in recruiting. Florida, with the comeback a couple weeks ago against South Carolina, probably going to at least be six and six, seven and five. Maybe they get some footing. The battles for re- the battles for recruits and for players out of the portal, et cetera. I think it's about to to reach a crescendo. Uh,
0: I I agree with you. I, I think that. Uh, <laughs> I think that to an extent, this has always been a thing that, you know, your, your institutional level of support would, would fluctuate based off, you know, how comfortable a fan base felt with a a coach and the direction of the program. And, you know, Florida's, they've got a, a competent bunch and a really sharp guy running their collective. And, you know, Miami seems to have uh, a rather significant level of support and and I'm sure beating Clemson and, 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 uh, and, uh, was going to make a comment about Davos Sweeney, but whatever. Uh, Miami beating Clemson and, and getting that victory is is going to shore up some institutional support for them as well. And yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it's seven. We are, we are seven to zero. We're very proud. Uh, speaking from a battles end perspective as to the role that we've been able to play and the support that we've been able to give. And and for us, our philosophy is always going to start at retention and work its way from there. Um, and we're proud of the guys that were wearing a Florida State jersey last year and the guys that are wearing a Florida State jersey this year too, uh, and so we, um, you know, we're, we're not new to this space per se, but we're still uh, finding footing and trying to get in front of, of various aspects of the fan base and those who are passionate about Florida State, and Jeff, I've been fortunate to be a friend of yours for a long time and a, a listener for even longer, and uh, I'll be blunt about it. Uh, nine years ago, you said Sean McGuire needs your help. I'll be honest with you. The battle's End needs your help. You know, <laughs> if you like waking up and being seven and O and you like being competitive in the, the modern landscape that is college athletics right now, uh, I would, you know, strongly urge that you give consideration and, and ultimately uh, join the battle's end. If that's something that you want to, uh, to partake in, it's a, Way to you know directly get involved in in uh, golf and football and sports that you view the most uh, you know whatever it is that you view the most important and uh, we'd love to partner with you in doing that so yeah Um I'm proud of uh, of what we've done and and how this organization has evolved over time but you know maybe I maybe I need to be more direct and more you know blunt. Uh, about things that's not necessarily my personality, but um, yeah, we need we need support. And and if you like being seven to zero, and you like being uh, ranked anywhere from you know third or fifth in the country, depending on where you look and whose metrics you look at, then I would I would suggest you give us strong consideration. I'll put it that way.
1: Well, I'll do this, Ingram. I think if I'm a person who doesn't know, and I think there's confusion amongst, and this is all over the country confusions as football confusion about what to do as a supporter of your university as an alumnus or just a diehard fan whatever it might be maybe you live in Tallahassee and you just want to support the local team whatever it is there's confusion about how best to do that but i will just tell people in terms of football and as you mentioned golf uh look man the battles end is the best way to do that now you can give to lots of different groups but You've got to help support the group that is supporting Florida State football. And there is no getting around the fact that it is a constant battle now. Every collective or whatever you would want to describe these groups as um, are, are fighting for everybody's dollar. And it can get confusing. So why do I bring this up? Well, I bring it up because I think the thing people want to know is how transparent is this? Can I learn more? It's not just that I I I want to give money. I want to know what am I giving money towards and how does it work? And I would one of the things that I've celebrated about the battle's end is just how uh you guys are an open book. You guys have said, look, we're not going to mislead you. We're not going to try to disguise what we're doing. But it's also layered. It's not just that you're getting football players to Think about coming to Florida State. It's it's that um, it's that you're teaching them and helping them in other ways too. So I guess if folks wanted to know more, I'm a guy. All of a sudden, I want to give ten thousand dollars to the battles in. What do I do, Ingram? How do I find out about the questions I want answered?
0: Sure. No, I I would welcome you to if you want to email info at the battles in, or if you want to email me, it's Ingram Smith at the battles in. I'd love to love to talk with anybody out there. We have a tailgate every home game that I'd invite anybody to come to and you can find out more information about that on our website. Um, honestly, I mean, this is, I can't facilitate this, but I, I wish I could, if you were interested, I wish I could give you five minutes with some of our players' parents or something like that to hear uh, more about what we do. I'm very proud of, uh, of what we've done. Uh, some of the support that we've given as far as pairing kids with financial advisors, with financial literacy. Um, this is a holistic is a term that gets thrown around a lot and has become a buzzword, but this is not our intention from day one was never just to be in this space with a, with a large wallet. It was to try to address this in a manner that was, uh, as beneficial for player, for the university, um, and for everybody else that's involved in the ecosystem. Um, so. We're not officially aligned with the university in any way, but, you know, obviously we can help athletic teams in certain regards and we can help meet the criteria for competitiveness. And I mean, it's not, we're not, I mean, athletics is the front porch for a lot of, a lot of universities and stuff like that. So we try to take this very seriously. Um, our messaging is always, we've, we try to be honest and upfront, and we didn't ask for anybody's money for the first four or five months. We really just wanted people to, to judge us and, and see if we could be uh, a competent entity in this space, which we were always confident we were gonna be, but we, we wanted to provide a track record of support before we started asking for money. Um, and at this point, there's a there's a record out there. You can evaluate it. There are people that consider us the best collective in the country. Whether that's true or not, you can make your own decisions, but we're, you know, we're uh, a plus level collective. If you want to use that term, uh, certainly and uh, proud of the work that we've done. And we'd love to love people to join. And uh, you know, like you said, it's not just about a marketing deal. It, it is about trying to be as good of a assistance and, and provide as positive an impact on the kids that we work with as we possibly can.
1: Your original, I remember you saying this to me, and and when we were talking about the game plan for the battles in, and I was very intrigued. I think all football fans and fans of the sport in general are, because it's all new. And you said, well, you know, early on, Jeff, we're just not asking for money, as you just alluded to. Uh, we just want people to watch us, put in the work, and 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 hopefully earn their trust. I don't know how that couldn't have been earned at this point. That was a ten win season a year ago, in large part due to roster retention. We are seven and zero this year people have to understand that this isn't something that just happens in perpetuity. It has to be sustained. And over time with the wins and the successes on and off the field and the support that you just mentioned from the players, parents and all the people that have been associated and aligned with the battles in uh, at some point though, this has to be sustained through membership. It has to be sustained through people's efforts to make sure that Florida state is in a position to battle uh, for all the best players in the country, because the goal here is to win national championships. It's not to be competitive. It's to continue to grow. And that continued growth is hampered if membership, in my opinion, if membership doesn't grow. So that's not you saying that. You said it earlier, but I'll say it again. It seems obvious to me. Hopefully, um, a confirmation is what I would call this season, right? This is, this is once again, emboldening, I think, people to realize, hey, I, you know what, I forgot, man. Saturday nights at Duke are pretty cool when we're facing a top twenty team and we've got good players. And when we face adversity, like Florida State did last night, credit to Duke, uh, this thing can get turned around because eventually we wear teams out with the talent that we've been able to sustain and bring in. I mean, that's 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 the bottom line. That's not a question. That's an observation. <laughs> the BattlesIn.com does that. I don't know how in the world you wouldn't want to join. And, I, again, I, I know that's not your style, but I'm just responding to what you said. I think it's a call for people to understand there are a lot of different levels here, and it's an open book. You don't have to be a guy that makes a ton of money to be able to join the Battles in. You just need to be a guy that wants to support his team and this collective in any way possible. You can do that with the quarter zip that I just bought from you, Ingram. Look at this right here. It's sitting right there. Just Just had it delivered over the weekend. Um, you can do it by becoming a monthly contributor. You can do lots of different ways and things to help out the battle zip.
0: You absolutely can and uh, I do love the quarter zip and I appreciate your uh, unwavering support of the quarter quarter zip.
1: zip. yeah
0: <laughs> absolutely. I do think maybe there's a bit of a perception from some of the fan base because we've had uh some rather you know significant Successes uh, that, you know, maybe we're just sitting on uh, a pile of money. And and, you look to an extent, we had to be sitting on a pile of money to get this thing off the ground. And we've had a level of support from a select few that I could never articulate correctly as to how important it's been and to the broader positive reverberations and ramifications that that's had. Um, But yeah, if if we're going to, you know, one of our. Our, our two uh, unwavering goals, missions, whatever you want to call them, has been meet the criteria for competitiveness and reach sustainability. Um, and as you said, sustainability is by growth. And it's whether it be memberships, whether it be one-time gifts, whether it be, um, you know, people who have the ability to give at a different capacity than some memberships are, whatever it is, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to tell you. You know what the case is, and our opinion for the battle's end, and and how we work with other you know entities in this space to to try to be the you know the best face possible that we can uh, in this new era of nil collectives uh, et cetera. So uh, yeah, what what you said is is true. We're we're proud of what we've done. Uh, we're proud of our track record. This is really just a project of. Uh, five or six guys who have long been friends and, and my philosophy on Florida state has always been that ultimately the school is going to be great in a financial standpoint. When you look at how the admissions and, and like, just when I, like, I got to see my mom this weekend, my mom and my aunt and my cousin have all graduated here a long time ago, but they were teachers and they came here because of the dance program, and there's nothing wrong with that. That those just aren't degrees that frequently, you know, facilitate, a great amount of uh, ability to earn wealth, but the school has evolved over time. And my, my long-winded point here is that I've always thought, quote unquote, the Calvary's coming. You know, when I look at uh, my peer group and I look at the kids here now, and yeah, I think five true. or six of us just looked around last year and thought, well, what if we're the Calvary? You know, what if, what if, or what if we're a part, what if we're a, a temporary mm-hmm. part of the Calvary? And, uh, you know, we've certainly, certainly tried to do that and, and put our best, put forward and, and like i said we're, we're proud of what we've done but we'd love uh to continue to grow the base level of support and you know this is an area where florida state can be competitive that's not dependent upon the acc let me put it that way
1: appreciate you ingram and we'll come back and react to some of that also next hour irish phil will join us as well jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio war Chat tv